Podcast, Episode 11, Clueless. Welcome to Sequel Quest, the podcast that dares to imagine sequels to your favorite films and movie franchises. A journey into the realm of cinematic possibilities. With your hosts, Adam, Jeff, Justin, and Jeremy. Let the adventure begin now. Welcome back to this week's episode of Sequel Quest. This week, we'll be talking about the 1995 Paramount picture, Clueless, starring Alicia Silverstone, Brittany Murphy, and Paul Rudd. I really didn't remember that Paul Rudd was in this. <laughs> hey, by the way, everybody, Jeremy's back. I hey! am back. Hey. Glad to have you. Oh, <laughs> it has been a good month off. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I have... Severely missed having this creative outlet. <laughs> Back to work. <laughs> right. Right. We've got nonsense to spatter about the internet. Yeah. All right. We are back. We've got a full staff today. We have Justin. What up? And Jeff. What up? And Adam. What up? I love you guys. I love making <laughs> the blooper reels. Yeah. In case you didn't know, we do have a blooper reel at the end of every episode because there's just too much stuff to make it into the main event. We always have to have deleted scenes. So fast forward is what he's saying. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's exactly. Just being like, okay, so right now, if you're listening, just skip all this crap. <laughs> the good stuff's yes, at the yeah. end. No, but I don't know. This is kind of a weird movie, I feel like, to jump onto our schedule. Right. I was yeah. very surprised by this one. But I just felt like we need we need a little bit of something fresh and exciting here. A challenge. The, yeah, challenge. Fresh, really. Wait, hold up. Fresh and exciting from 95? <laughs> a 20-year-old <laughs> film that still delights today. Tell me I'm wrong. This is, I mean, this is a movie that had, you know, cultural repercussions, absolutely. Like, its influence kind of on the younger generation of well, the late 90s. Because it was targeting, like, high schoolers. It was a high school movie, much like High School Musical did. Really, that was the, the, the genre movie of the decade, really, of the 90s. I would say, yeah, I mean, it was pretty definitive. And uh, one of the interesting things about it is that the, the stylist... For the show, you know, the fashion obviously was a big deal on this. She claimed that her gift to the world, essentially, was that she killed the grunge fashion movement, which up to that point, you know, early 90s Nirvana, everybody's, you know, got right. their their Doc Martens, they got their flannel, they're just dressing like bums, basically. And she said she brought back the concept of really dressing up and looking your best and just, you know, being fashionable, which I thought was pretty interesting, but also very true. I was going to say, I remember as a kid watching that scene and being like, oh, crap, I got to like, dr I should dress better. <laughs> <laughs> I still had a pair of Doc Martens when I was in Africa seven years ago. Nice. Well, it, it, you know, not to say, you know, Doc Martens, I think, still still stuck around a little bit. They beyond. stand the test of time because yeah. those souls don't wear out. The insides <laughs> do. I will say that. If we're, not, if we're on the topic of Doc Martens, I had a band in high school and I had... <laughs> In order to fit in with the band, they're like, here's a pair of Doc Martens. You got to wear these. I was nice. like, okay. I would like to point out also for Adam's band, he wanted to grow long hair but was incapable, so he just grew really long bangs. <laughs> <laughs> it was the best part of that band. <laughs> 
that was a that was a conscious choice. That was awesome. <laughs> we we need pictures. Oh, yes. We'll, th- yes. we'll throw it up on the Twitter. Everybody check it out uh, at SQPod. But um, anyway, but the other part of this too, obviously, was the language. I mean, the language we yeah. was without a doubt. I mean, there were phrases in there. I don't know that they invented every phrase, but they certainly popularized stuff like that. Like I'm Audi, you know. I don't know. I'm totally bugging. That wasn't really anything I ever heard anybody <laughs> say. Along with like the Bettys and the Bardies and the Baldwins. Again, things I never heard people say. But there was definitely stuff, you know, as if what what other one? I tried to block this out of my memory. <laughs> well, <laughs> The, None well, of us want to that, admit to actually knowing every single saying. That they <laughs> right. well, well, it's funny that yeah. like, and, and I feel like a lot of today's audiences and, and even those of us that went through it tend to for, try and forget <laughs> is kind of how influ- influenced I think we were in mm-hmm. the 80s and the 90s where it was when Bart Simpson first came out, everybody was saying cowabunga and eat my shorts. And then when the Ninja Turtles, we were all saying radical or whatever the heck the new cowabunga Cowabunga again (laughs) yeah Uh, and so yeah the same thing with this is that there was the valley girl thing which was kind of around but i think yeah this really glorified it and made the other thing that i will say is the sad thing is that if you watch now and now all four of us are moderately west coasters if you watch anything where people see images of the west coast they still think that's what we're all like we all have blonde hair we all go surfing every other day we're all like either on rodeo (laughs) drive or on the beach those are the only two things that people on the west coast or anywhere west of the i don't know the mississippi it seems that we all do that same thing yeah well i i think i think that is true it definitely you know it's it's a pretty common idea uh, to have, but and I, I would just say two more phrases that I think permeated pretty much every conversation. And even like now, if somebody, there are people that still drop it, you know, they're a 90s kid, but the whole thing, like, my bad and whatever. Whatever with the hand yep. sign was very yeah. of the time. Oh, yeah. God, the hand sign, the right? Hand sign, yeah. So, I mean, th- those were huge, and those definitely came I'm from doing Clueless. it right now. <laughs> Adam was uh, too. I'm doing it. You can't help radio, it. I'm you can't it. help it. But the other thing, so in 95, though, like going to see the film, honestly, there was really only one reason to go see this movie, and that was, oh, it's the hot girl from the Aerosmith videos is in a movie now. <laughs> <laughs> and like for a 13-year-old, in my case, with raging hormones, I'm like, okay, okay, I, I, I think I can no stand for an hour and a half and uh, enjoy <laughs> this film. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Now, the other thing that happened around that time, because I think most people would think that was her first movie, but there was another film that she did prior to this that when Clueless came out, they started throwing Alicia Silverstone uh, uh, movies on on Fox, I think, is where I saw this, an edited for TV version, but it was called The Crush. And it's, oh, yeah, with, um, it's this thriller. James Spader? Uh, no, I think it's actually Carrie Elway's, if I remember correctly. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. you're right. He's the teacher. Oh, that's she right. Yeah. Stalks him. <laughs> But yeah. but that that's a that's a creepy movie. It's kind of like Basic Instinct, sort of with a teenager, and like where she she basically she she's interested in Carrie Elways who rents this apartment like on her parents' property, and then he's not interested in her because she's a teenager, and then she gets revenge by accusing him of some statutory action and all these other things and like framing him, and it's it's pretty creepy. So like that was kind of in keeping with her her Aerosmith. 
uh, kind of vibe that she had in the videos. And then you get to Clueless and she's so like sweet and nice and positive and helping people. And it's like such a, not what you're expecting, but so enjoyable. And was that where the train derailed for her? (laughs) Well, that's the thing. I mean, you want to talk about, she had Clueless, right? And then... Two years later, 97, Batman and Robin. Yeah. So there's there's Batgirl. Yeah. And then you didn't really ever see her again. No, but she made headlines a few years ago, at least on, well, when I was in radio. uh, There was the big thing that came out that she feeds her children baby bird style. Really? Like, chews up the food and spits it out to the children. That's a little creepy. Oh, God. Oh. I thought you said that she beats her children. <laughs> That's what I thought so, too. Like, Although, let's be honest. If we're talking children about... Children like little birds. Right. If we're talking about Hollywood parents, I feel like that's maybe the least weird thing that they do. Uh, potentially. On. Potentially. It was just... Michael Jackson held a child out of a window for crying out loud. She turned out all right, I think. Overall? No uh, thanks to... But, but, like, but the, what, that was what was weird, because you would think that she was totally poised for making more movies. I mean, Clueless was a big hit. Batman and Robin was a major film, you know, critically, maybe not appreciated in retrospect. But I also remember at the time that people thought when Batman and Robin said she was fat... And I was like, I was like, I think it was just the, the Kate Moss 90s supermodel thing. You had to be a walking yeah. skeleton or you were fat. But it was just so weird because I felt like that somehow derailed her career. Because that's the last thing I remember being mentioned about Elisa Silverstone. Was yeah. she kind of typecast, though? Well, right. And I do wonder if she didn't quite have, because it was like, I, I always lumped her in with um, Reese Witherspoon. And Reese Witherspoon clearly showed the one that she was able to transition from a teen 20s era into an adult and two being able to not only do comedy and like teeny bop or whatever but also do serious roles and i feel like yeah alicia never whether it was she never got the the chance to do it i i I feel like yeah she never made that jump there there really wasn't another dimension to her Yeah, as far as was presented to us. Now, just fun fact real quick. You brought up Reese Witherspoon. She was actually up for the part of Cher in this movie. So she she was being considered before Lisa Silverstone got cast. I wonder if she would have done it like, um, what was that Matthew brought? Election? Oh, yeah. (laughs) She would have done that character as Cher in... Well, she basically did Cher in Legally Blonde. Right. It's the same She essentially did it. Yeah, Yeah, in college. It's the same same story almost, I mean, to a certain extent. Maybe they just continued it and made it an unofficial sequel. (laughs) Sequel to Clueless is Legally Blonde. Now, think about it. That blows your mind now. Now, the, 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 <laughs> what we're talking about, at least, is Silverstone. Consider this show over, really. <laughs> Done. Why are we here? Well, and then again, I think they tried to recreate kind of the magic from Clueless with, in, in the t- early 2000s with Mean Girls. Hmm. Like, that had kind of the same cultural impact on the 2000s that uh, Clueless did. I, I would say so. I mean, it had that hyper-realism to it, just like, because Clueless is by no means a realistic portrayal of high school. It's very kind of amped up. And, well, yeah, I mean, it's but, yeah. Hollywoodized. <laughs> but it, but it, but I think that you're right. I mean, that for, for a new generation, Mean Girls, it probably definitely fit into that. Um, but now, again, we're, we're talking about, you know, Alicia Silverstone like we are, but I, I think about it. There are so many 
people in that cast, like just like yeah. new young talent yeah. that went on to do things like, you know, big things. I mean, obviously most most recently Paul Rudd in Ant-Man. Now he's a full-on leading man. Yeah. But he's had major roles in like all the top comedies, it feels like, of the last decade. He's He's been a part of the Judd Apatow world and other things. And he, he does a lot of the writing on most of those. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he's come a long way from just being a guy in Clueless that nobody remembered. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and like, you know, Brittany Murphy, obviously, rest in peace, Brittany Murphy. Um, but I, I, I always remembered her most as Luann on King of the Hill, you know, Hank Hill's niece. <laughs> hey, Uncle Hank. You know, like she was just like, I don't know, she cracked me up the most, her and Bobby, you know, so I was just like, oh. I didn't even know that was her. Yeah. <laughs> Is that awesome? Holy crap! She was she on did TV a lot forever. Of, yeah, yeah. She did a lot of vocal acting. It, I mean, it's one of those like you you don't really Michelangelo in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> she has the range. Right. It, it's kind of <laughs> like uh, you you don't realize Mila Kunis is. Uh, Oh, I don't even remember the Darth daughter's Vader? name. From no, Family Guy. From no, Family Guy. <laughs> Meg. Meg. It Meg. Yeah. It's the one that's always left out. And <laughs> Yeah. Well, though, though and the other part of it, too, is talking about voice acting. So then you have, like, Donald Faison, you know, who is Murray. Who, he was my favorite character in the yeah. film, by the way. I always love Murray. When they're on the freeway and that semi comes up on him, he's like, ah! He just makes that face with the braces and everything. It was great. But uh, <laughs> but Donald Faison and uh, and Brecken Meyer, you know, who played Travis, the, the pothead, yeah. um, they actually do a lot of voiceover work on Robot Chicken on that stop motion animation oh, okay, yeah, show, yeah. If, if anybody's seen that. So they do a lot of like uh, the work on that. But they actually teamed up for uh they got they got back together i guess you could say for one of my favorite teen comedies which is josie and the pussycats which is terribly maligned but i just think it's it's a just a gem like people need to check it out give it a chance soundtrack it all it's amazing it's one of those hidden gem movies yeah but but they they are a backstreet boys parody band called du jour and they're just and they're hilarious like they're like the two of them are so amped up in that so <laughs> it's, you got just check it out just for them the first five minutes of the film is them and and it's great along with seth green and anyway it's it's just a, a good combo so but for you guys like i mean is there a a specific memory or legacy that clueless leaves for you justin jeff other than what we discussed earlier, but I mean, like, is there a moment in history for you where you're like, ah, Clueless was this? Okay, so yeah, for me, actually, I can't stand this movie. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel like this movie, I completely understand everything that we've talked about as far as like this glimpse into a, a period in culture. This movie's always creeped me out, especially with the ending about how somehow it's okay that he, she ends up with her stepbrother. Uh, I don't know why we were okay with that. Um, it's always really bothered me. I never saw it in the theaters. I didn't see it until it came out in, um, like, yeah, like I was probably at a friend's house and they watched it there. Um, yeah, it, uh, again, kind of like I mentioned before, it does kind of bother me because it's one of those things where it's like, not only is nobody really like this, but people, because of stuff like this in 90210, they, people end up kind of quantifying Californians as things along these lines. So, yeah, I don't I don't have very many connections to it other than just kind of like, yeah, not too fond memories myself. Jeff, who are these people from outside of California that are picking on you? We want names, we'll take care of it. 
sequel yeah. quest well, crew sticks like together. That, I know a guy. That, and now I know. Un- I don't think I don't know about Jeremy, but I know for the other two uh, is that I'm not necessarily sports fans. Whereas I am a very large sports fan, not large physically, but I like sports. And um, I know whenever you see a nationally broadcast sporting event, especially a football game, every single commercial break shows people surfing. And every single time that they're in Los Angeles, they always got to go show people on the boardwalk. It's just that's that's honestly what people from outside of California think of California. I mean, my wife is and her family is from the Midwest. And that's exactly what somehow they think that everything in California, like, is walking distance, that I can walk from San Diego to Los Angeles, that we're all right <laughs> next to each other. They, they literally do. Like, they some, think that you some people in California can. Right. Well, yeah, there's that, too. So. All right. Well, fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Now, the the one uh, bit of trivia I, I did want to drop on you guys before we get into uh, the, the synopsis here. Uh, one thing I don't know if you uh, are aware of this, but you know, everybody in the cast of this movie, they were kind of all different ages at the time that they were shooting it, even though they were playing, you know, high schoolers. But I mean, for the most Tell part, they were who was close. in their thirties. <laughs> well, that's what. Okay, so Alicia Silverstone was like seventeen. Brittany Murphy right. was like sixteen. Paul Rudd, I think, was you know maybe twenty-one or something like that. But Dion, played by Stacy Dash, so Cher's best friend. Okay. She was twenty-eight years old when they wow. made this film, <laughs> and if you see her today. She has not aged. She looks exactly the same. So she may be some type of mystical creature that, you know, <laughs> takes a perfect form and never ages. I don't know. But she's, Some you know, people just win the genetic lottery. I guess so. But like that would blew me away. I was like 28 but years old. But typically, life hits you hard, bro. And it's going to hit her like a semi-truck on the 405. Like, uh, we'll find oh, out. Oh, wait. It'll be at a standstill. So maybe not. <laughs> now, uh, the, other, the other little piece that I'll drop in here is that uh, they, you know, they're playing high schoolers. But Breck and Meyer and Alicia Silverstone, they actually both went to Beverly Hills High School. So when they're, when they're per- you know, performing in this film, they actually know whereof they speak. So wow. which I think is now they both claim that oh we were definitely not these people the, the characters that we played but I just thought it was very interesting that that you know they had that type of perspective We need valid witnesses from those who attended with them <laughs> to prove that they were not these characters Well one thing I will say is that uh Josh Trank, who uh, who was the director of the Fantastic Four the, movie, the ill-fated yeah. director of the Fantastic Four that we tried to save a couple episodes back, he also went to Beverly Hills High School. And the the other connection here is that he actually went to school with Amy Heckerling, the director, her daughter. So he was friends with her, which yes. I just I think that's wow. a very weird connection. All this Beverly Hills High School stuff. I do so, remember that from the. Uh, Kevin Smith podcast. Yes, yeah, he he dropped that on there. So, and uh, finally, we Justin, Jeff, and I have a connection to Beverly Hills High School as well. We have we have a, a, a colleague, I guess you could say, in in our drama days back in high school, uh, named uh, Haley Terrace Feldman. Uh, now in the entertainment world is Haley Terrace, but she went to Beverly. She she came to our school for one year from Beverly Hills. 
then moved back <laughs> to Beverly Hills. She saw the outside world and wanted to go home. Absolutely. She had to return. But, <laughs> but I actually went to go see her in a production of Hello, Dolly at Beverly Hills High School at one point. So I was like, ah, I've been on the campus. I've seen. I've walked this, this, the path of Cher and Dion and Now, did else. they actually film it at Beverly Hills High? I don't believe so, no. Okay. But, <laughs> but still, it's all in there. You can think, think that way, Adam. I think it was like USC. Oh, really? We'll so they yeah. filmed it on the college campus? <laughs> yeah. I, I do want to throw in... That. Somebody Google it now. <laughs> I do want to throw in, since we're talking about facts and figures or whatever, yeah. is that, and my wife did point this out to me the other night, is that the basics of the plot is actually based on... Um, A book. Oh, gosh. Now yes, Jane Austen. It's based Jane on Austen. Emma. Thank you. Jane mm-hmm. Austen's Emma. Yep. Now, for me, I always kind of assumed it was more based on uh, Taming of the Shrew, where there's right. the you know tragically unhip girl that they need to make look better or whatever. But apparently the matchmaking that Cher is doing where she's trying to set up her her teachers is actually based on Emma and they did even base those two characters. Uh, Mr. Wendell is Mr. Weston and Ms. Geist is Ms. Weston in, in Emma. So. And we should mention who was playing Mr. Wendell. Wallace Shawn, also for the Princess Bride, fantastic right. actor, the guy who says, inconceivable, we love him. Yeah. And he's also what? He's yep. the voice of Rex in the Toy Story movies. He's just a great guy, great actor. Yes. Yeah. So yes, Wallace Shawn. Is he still around? He's got to be. I, I, well, he's he's doing the Rex voice in all the Toy Story spin-off yeah. shorts and everything else. So yeah, he's he's definitely still still with us and still kicking. kicking. Yeah, yep, seventy-two <laughs> years old, Wallace Shawn. Yes. All right. Well, let's get into this because we're we're like twenty minutes in tonight. No, <laughs> no rush at all. This week's IMDb synopsis is written by James Meek. Cher Horowitz and her friend Dion, two of the most popular sophomores in school, play matchmakers for two teachers. Inspired by their success, Cher takes under her wing Ty, a clueless transfer student. While trying to make an advantageous match for Ty, Cher attempts to find a boyfriend of her own. Several misfires take place due to poor communication, I can imagine that, (laughs) before she finds the Baldwin of her dreams. Yeah, so that that was for you, Jeff, because that really does just kind of paints an interesting portrait of the film, wouldn't you say? Yeah. <laughs> well, I just I th- <laughs> well, it's just funny to me that like they make it sound like the focus of the movie is that she's setting up teachers, and then also happens to find love herself eventually, and, and helps tie. You know, but like I don't know, it just it just it, I don't see the film really coming from that angle. It's like, yeah, she is that linear. Up. Yeah, the, yeah. There's a lot more parts and pieces to it. It's a little more convoluted in the film. Yeah, there's a lot more depth to it. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's, exactly, it's all about <laughs> depth. It's a serious. To second what Jeff was saying it's, earlier. It's a metaphorical journey through um, the psychology, the hearts of and minds of growing we're sophomores. Deep apparently. Yeah. Also, I, I, I don't know if I agree with that they were sophomores. That yeah. Seems, what, were sophomores like the king of their high school? That seems kind of hard to do. They, but uh, what do I know? Well, they definitely weren't graduating. Maybe juniors. Maybe so. Right. I mean, I don't think most... it says at any point that they're, they're freshmen. <laughs> <laughs> well, then again, fresh. Not all freshmen can drive. There are some mm. issues there age-wise. Age so 
Maybe that was the, mm-hmm. the the logical assumption that the person made. He's like, Jay's like, well, uh, she can't drive yet, so she doesn't have her license. She must be a sophomore. <laughs> She's got to be a sophomore. Yeah, I didn't get my license until I was maybe 18. She, maybe they right? were like second seniors. <laughs> no, that would be called fifth year seniors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Take the college term. Now, the other thing I'll say real quick, just as we're getting ready to jump into the pitches, is we are aware, or some of us are aware, that Clueless actually did have a sequel of sorts as a television series so yeah, so clueless had a three seasons on the upn network uh they just recast three Cher. seasons yeah three whole yeah. seasons and wasn't wow. it just them in high school yeah it, it, it was the same yeah high school and stuff yeah, yeah I, I saw huh. a couple episodes back in the day and i just remember it being you know this, this is pretty much the same you know attitude it's the same feel you know they had the teachers were back you know they had dion and murray were back they recast Cher. You know, Breckenmeyer wasn't there. and Brittany Warfrey wasn't there. So by the Alicia third season, Dion was well into her 30s. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Still played high schooler. Um, so, but we did not, uh, I don't think that factored into any of our any of our sequels here. Not that we know of. Yeah, we're going to start off tonight's show with Jeff's pitch. Okay, so um, don't really have a title, although something like Still Clueless would, would seem to fit. Um, so this one I would set being 20 years later, which is right about now, I suppose. Uh, 20, uh, uh, yeah, I guess so. Um, so anyway, so then 20 years later, Cher is now the hip soccer mom uh, of two teenage daughters, and um, at one point in her, you know, we would obviously have some period of the film just showing her hip life or whatever, and at some point she hears her daughters talking. And like, kind of overhears them doing a sleepover or something like that, and they end up saying something to the effect of like, "Your mom is so lame. She thinks she's so hip and blah blah blah," which just like shatters all of Cher's illusions. So then she tries to transform her image to become more now. So instead of the whole valley girl thing, she tries to transform herself to be like a hipster. So she's wearing like holes in her jeans, and she's got the like. Uh, um, what do you call that traveler's pouch carry on sort of a thing like that and where's the glasses that she doesn't need and everything and then she starts trying to like hang out with her daughter and her daughter's friends and being all cool and stuff like that which doesn't really work but then it ends up coming in conflict with this other mom at the school who is actually like the hip mom where she you know whatever she does she actually has succeeded at being hip and cool and stuff like that and so things kind of go back and forth a little bit where and then it eventually turns into more of like a mom versus mom conflict and as all mom versus mom conflicts go it has to end up with a bake sale and so then they each bake their own whatever (laughs) and Cher would have to bake something and then the other girl would bake something and then it would have to end up with the bad mom getting a pie in the face or a cake thrown over her or something like that and then the daughters and you know everyone comes back and realizes that Cher is actually the greatest of all time <laughs> there we go <laughs> and see. Oh, hipster mom to bake sale to resolution love it yes <laughs> <laughs> that was well, yeah there you go <laughs> it just awesome I was not expecting it but I do love the title still clueless that is good well uh, Justin how are you going to follow that up are we to do it? Um, so we've got. Uh, I don't. I don't have a title either. I'm gonna take still clueless. It's awesome. 
Uh, and I actually had a few different ideas. So you mentioned the TV show. Uh, one of my ideas was to make it a TV show. <laughs> uh, but apparently they already did that. But I think um, if they did it today, uh, we were talking about this earlier, but if they did it today, uh, that might be something that's interesting, like a throwback 90s uh, high school TV show, like but done today. Yeah. Um, the other one I had that I didn't have the time to like research or thought might be a cool idea would be um, since Clueless was based on a Jane Austen novel, um, set it today, have them be in their 30s but and like adults and have lives, but have it be based on another Jane Austen novel. Um, I thought that might be an interesting idea. But uh, here's what I came up with. Cher, now in her 30s, is happily married in a giant mansion in Beverly Hills. Her husband, Samuel Belvedere III, is a successful high-end architect, and Cher is blissfully happy, happy in her life with the occasional reminiscence with Dion about high school and Josh. Uh, Dion has separated from Murray and now runs through a collection of assorted men with the help of friends, the local country club, and Tinder. Josh comes to visit with, uh, with their family and at dinner reveals that he is going to be married in a week, a spur-of-the-moment decision. Uh, Cher is deeply affected, but not sure why. The very next day, Samuel decides that he is leaving Cher for a younger woman, and in a heated conversation with Dion, Cher decides to go on a road trip to stop the wedding and win back Josh, the one that got away. Cher and Dion encounter many obstacles on the journey, including a hippie community run by Travis, the skater kid, that quickly turns out to be a cult. <laughs> a bar full of drunk biker dudes, one of which is Christian, that yeah. Dion um, and the biker dudes that Dion wants to stay and party with forever, and a run-in with Elton and Amber from high school at a mall in the suburbs that turns into a fight and jail time for the duo. <laughs> in the end, Cher doesn't try to end the wedding, realizing that she has to forge her own path and stop hanging on to the past. And Dion comes to terms with the fact that she has been using sex to fill the hole that Murray left when they split. The end. <laughs> the end. Excellent. Deep realization now, now wait. for Dion. Yeah, was Cher, you said Cher was married to Senior yeah. Belmont the third? Okay. Yeah. Samuel Belvedere the third. No, he uh he he gets he divorces her for a younger Oh Betty. Oh wait, he does. <laughs> then wait, what is Josh's deal then? Oh Josh is, Josh uh comes in to visit and says, like, I'm gonna I'm getting married. I'm getting married. In okay. Unrelated yeah. to the younger. Okay, I got I got those two mixed up. Gotcha. I'm with yeah. you now. Yeah, Cult, yeah. No, that, jail that, time. I like the road trip <laughs> angle. That's fun. It's yeah. just like road trip. I turned into a road trip movie. <laughs> yeah, that uh, that was interesting. Yeah. Now, Justin, yeah. I will say you and my wife were on the same track as far as basing it on another Jane Austen novel. Before I came over here tonight, she's like, "Are you doing Clueless? Yeah, they should just do it as another Jane Austen novel since that one was based on Emma." I was like, "What?" Yeah, <laughs> I was like, you I think that would be show. a really cool, interesting way to do it. Like, set it today, yeah, and have it be very much about being in your thirties today, and but have it take place in in that kind of world. Because I mean, I feel like the upper class Beverly Hills community can. There's a lot of relation to yeah. that same. Uh, era definitely but, um, double now you do realize like her other you're, we're, we're talking about like sense and sensibility and like pride and prejudice like those are her other novels mm -hmm. they're not exactly yeah. like thrill a minute well, <laughs> well i mean it's time, loosely based like, yeah. you know it's like okay. the same All sort right. of general 
plot line, it's, but but that's just an idea. That, that we're we're not even going that direction. Ju- Justin, your pitch right, was right. was just fine. But yeah, I just thought that was an interesting idea. Yeah, I mean, in reality, most of, most stories you find today can be broken down into. I think there were like a hundred different uh, skeletons for a story that most movies fall back into. So I mean, oh, I heard there were six. Six. Well, it's probably a hundred, and then that breaks down into six. <laughs> that like, breaks down into six, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, not mine. Way, mine I is a hundred percent original. You've never heard anything exactly. like this before. Lies. And I do agree with that when it's coming from Adam. I never know what's going to happen in the next. It is 30 always seconds. Well, thirty minutes. Yeah, thirty minutes. <laughs> it is always coming out of left field, and we'll go to our final pitch of the night, Adam. All right, everybody. This one is called Clueless: Love and Fashion. Now, it's been 20 years since high school, and Cher is on the verge of turning 40. She currently runs a charity called Cher Shares that focuses on helping fashion-challenged individuals find their inner Audrey or Redford. She holds regular fundraisers where celebrities and residents of Beverly Hills donate their used fashions to the cause. Her partner in the endeavor is Christian, her former crush-turned-shopping buddy, who has the official title of Fabulizer. Cher's personal life has been up and down over the years as she tried to make her relationship with older ex-stepbrother Josh work during her brief stint attending UCLA Fashion School in the late 90s, which she describes as a depressing web of thread and pleather. But unfortunately, the two had a falling out after she was accused of cheating with a flirty foreign exchange student named Armand. Becoming BFFs with Prozac, she dropped out of college and instead went to work as a personal assistant to elite international fashion designer Lula, by whom she was eventually promoted to head of charitable affairs and now runs the Share Shares organization. Share has had many failed relationships since then, but remains optimistic in finding someone who won't go all Spanish Inquisition on her. She gets weekly glimpses into married life when she visits Dion and Murray, who are now married with five children. The pair continue to squabble and make up continuously, which often interferes with their real estate business as incidents erupt during open houses when Murray is accused of scoping out other women. Yet when they come home, the couple are completely devoted to each other and show Cher what family life can be. Desperate to have that happiness in her life, Cher has various misadventures in dating throughout the course of the film. First, she's set up by a former classmate, Amber, with an eccentric billionaire who wines and dines her before revealing his fetish for seeing women dressed up as infamous dictators from history. <laughs> when the billionaire presents her with a choice of Adolf Hitler or Saddam Hussein, she calls it quits. After getting pulled over for speeding, Cher gets asked out by the officer. He turns out to be an adrenaline junkie that takes her out on a parasailing date, but then pays the boat driver to cut the cord so they can get extreme. He lands them safely onto the beachside balcony of what just happens to be her father's new condo. Officer Super Freak is quickly kicked out, and Cher has a heartfelt conversation with her father about life and love. Just then, Josh arrives, revealing that he moved in with Cher's dad while his divorce gets finalized, which he explains was caused by his inability to trust women after the breakup with Cher and the fact that his wife was actually sleeping with the milkman. He explains, I didn't even know that was still a thing. In fact, I'm pretty sure it's not. Josh says that all he really cares about is being able to see his teenage daughter, Julia. After Josh gets a laugh out of her, Cher leaves abruptly, worried that she is still not over him. 
She gets love advice from Dion, Christian, and even a run-in with the two high school teachers she set up in the first film, all of whom tell her that sometimes you just have to trust somebody with your heart if you see if they're treating it right. Returning to work, Cher's boss Lula asks her to deliver some legal paperwork to a new lawyer they just hired to sue an upstart designer that's been stealing some of her designs. Lula's lawyer turns out to be Josh, and Cher invites him out to lunch after noticing that he was going total potliachi. Josh reveals he is having a bad day after being told his ex-wife is trying to go for full custody of their daughter, who then joins them at the restaurant, expressing her love for her father. Julia reveals that she wants to get into fashion and shows Cher some of her designs, which are actually pretty good. They have a fun montage at the Cher Shares Fashion Warehouse, where Julia is given a change uh, to bring design into her life. Uh, I don't know what I meant there. While Cher and Josh begin to rekindle their relationship. The two go out a few more times, but Josh cuts it off, saying he can't move forward with it because he has too much anger, doesn't feel he has a place in his heart to love someone romantically anymore. When this is challenged, Josh says he's just a loser and she should move on. Cher is heartbroken and disappointed in his self-pitying, but accepts his decision. The next week, Lula asks Cher to do her one more favor and pose as a customer buying evidence of the stolen fashion designs from the rival designer's boutique. Cher agrees, and it turns out the boutique is owned by Armand, who cranks up the charm again and starts to win her over. He is apologetic for the trouble he caused in college and seems to be a generally nice guy that's still interested in Cher. The rest of the movie plays out with the conflict between Cher's pursuit of love for herself against the allegiance to her boss while dating the enemy and the heartbreak Josh feels when he sees she's with Armand again. At one point, Josh runs into Travis the pothead uh, from Cher's high school days. He's continued to clean up his act and he actually found Jesus, opening up a skate park slash Bible camp called Scripture Inverts. Travis constantly misquotes the Bible, mixing it up with pop song lyrics, but he has a good heart. It's like Jesus <laughs> said, man, live and let die. Travis tells Josh that <laughs> life is all about forgiveness, so maybe he can try it out. Josh uses the advice to forgive his ex-wife, who softens her stance and agrees to give him joint custody. In the end, Armand shows his true colors, breaking into Cher's laptop to send an email posing as her to ask for some of the design documents, which he uses to announce a new clothing line ahead of Lula. Cher is fired for her disloyalty and carelessness, sending her into a depression that finds her wearing frumpy sweatpants while shopping at Walmart. In the frozen food section, she <laughs> runs into Josh's daughter, Julia, who shows her some fabulous new designs and thanks Cher for believing in her dream. Cher decides to make amends with Lula by sending Julia's designs to her. Lula is impressed and asks them both to come in. Turns out that Josh, who Lula has grown fond of, put in a good word for Cher and, wants her, and now Lula wants her back. Lula also offers an internship to Julia with a promise to hire her after she graduates. Julia's new designs are a hit in Paris, totally blow away the ideas stolen by Armand, who makes some snide comments and is punched out by Josh. He and Cher kiss enthusiastically as credits roll. Yay! So there you go. <laughs> all right. Um, they get back together. Show. All right. <laughs> We're all over the place. I know. Yeah. There's yeah. Like, there's a lot going on there. You got to pack it all in. You know, that's that's what it was all about, right? There's the drama. There's the back and forth. Dictator fetishes. And <laughs> that yeah. was, that, that got me. That, that uh. I, I, was... I don't know if I could fund that movie. <laughs> yeah. Hitler or Saddam Hussein. There you go. Um, that sounded more like a Netflix miniseries <laughs> more than a movie. 
Hey, I'm just saying, you, you, I'm getting into the details here, but yeah, you pace it just you right. Do. You can get that into 90 minutes. Come on. Oh, <laughs> you'd be leaning more towards the three hour mark, but. Uh, hey, I that, also like that they parasail into her father's condo. <laughs> yeah, right. that seems very. I'm always trying to get hay gliding and parasailing into this thing. Come on. I, I was surprised yeah. there was no mud wrestling. No mud wrestling. Don't think I didn't consider it. (laughs) I'm sure you did. (laughs) Well, after those... So we have... It sounds like we've got Soccer Mom, Road Trip, and... Whatever uh, this was. (laughs) Well, like, Dating Misadventures. Basically, yeah. Yeah. So will they or won't they? Will they or won't they? Yeah. Oh, there we go. I mean, obviously, you know, Justin and I both hit on the our Josh and 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 uh, Cher are going to get together again, which mm-hmm. seems likely on some level that you know you would want to bring them back. Paul Rudd, everybody and that Jeff would be vehemently against that because that's incest. <laughs> <laughs> no blood relation. <laughs> Apparently, no, that's okay. So, but whatever. In all 50 states, well, so you can like what, marry your stepbrother. Like, what, what? What? what is it that we're... Well, it's... Yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> what, what is it that, like... What is it that people love about this movie that would want to see in a sequel? Well, I, I think... Is it just Alicia being Alicia? Or mm, Cher being Cher? To a certain extent, but I, I also feel like people responded to the... Like, the... That each like honestly for me it's almost like the casting makes the difference because it's the performances that endear you to the characters. But there, but there was there was like a kind of a through line of she does so much for everybody but herself, and then can she get what she wants? You know, type of thing. I mean, like there's supposed to be like that growth that she grows out of being like superficial and into fashion because Josh kind of brings her down to reality. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I ever saw that as heavily as being her arc, but I think that is a part of it. Yeah, I would tend to, I mean, I, I guess, especially if you're going to base, you know, with the connection to, to the, the, the source material of Emma is that that's what all, Emma is all about is that Emma is this matchmaker that, you know, yeah, she's not actually very good at matchmaking, but it's kind of like, yeah, she's so focused on everybody else that she forgets about herself. So. <laughs> That, that would be kind of where, because it's like, that was my thought with like the road trip idea, which seems like, yeah, you could hit all the different elements and stuff like that, but then you don't really get, I mean, I guess you could still get that focus on her and everything, but I think it would be interesting, almost like if we took, if we almost flipped the script from the original one. So instead of, uh, kind of like you were doing, Adam, where instead of, Share making all of these matches for other people. It's everybody else making all these matches for her, and that's where you get all this horrible horribleness. Yeah. Well, I I, th- I think you could definitely, as a starting point, you take Share to where she's at in Justin's, where because it just seems likely she would still probably marry a, some you know big highfalutin Beverly Hills guy, right? Because she thinks yeah. that's what she's destined for, and then end up being terribly unhappy. And then when she when he get you know. When uh, Bel- Samuel Belvedere the Third leaves her for a younger woman, <laughs> <laughs> wasn't that the principal from like Saved by the Bell? Yeah, that, that's no, Mr. Belding. That was just Belding. Mr. Belding. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, Belding. 
Mr. Belvedere was the servant in the other. Correct. Mr. Belvedere. Yeah. I was thinking more of the alcohol, but that's cool. <laughs> oh, well. We're all, all right. over the place. But no, but, but then like but when, when she's then broken up, of course, now all her friends are trying to set her up with people, which leads to the misadventures in dating. Um, which you know could yeah kind I like of be, that a lot yeah so you, you could have all the different um, different adventures in between but then in the meantime Josh gets reintroduced so now he's in the picture but you know they have whatever their history is you know that yeah. that didn't work out so um, well and that is the element too that both of you guys had was all of the because like you said I mean I, I guess one of the major aspects of this movie is all of the like side characters and that they're all mm-hmm. very even if they only have a couple of seconds to shine they're all very distinct and so it's kind of that idea of like seeing them 20 years later like what would they have would they have a skate park would they join a cult would they do you know like and so you have these opportunities to reintroduce all of these characters and i think yeah for the 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 people that you know made this movie grow to cult status i think that's what they're going to want to see they're going to want to see these these vignettes almost well because i honestly you could you could i mean with all the side characters you didn't have to latch on to share in this movie Mm -hmm. you could latch on to the the pothead who had like a few lines because like that resonated with what you were going through in high school or the athlete or just there there was enough like roundness in this cast that it allowed for multiple connections and i think that's really what drew people in was it wasn't just about her it was everyone around her and you latched on to someone yeah so so that's a great way with the the dating angle is it's a great way to get all the side characters coming you know in her life to kind of reintroduce them yeah so they can be wacky and the people that you know they set her up with can have their whatever their quirk is right because i mean most of us have had many a misadventure in dating from (laughs) hey i got this friend you should meet and I mean, well, granted, that's a that's a trope, but at the same time, it's a real life trope. <laughs> it is very much so. Well, and that's the thing too. I I feel like because I was even thinking as we were going through ours is that I feel like the appeal post like afterwards of this movie or of any high school movie is either for those that are currently in high school that they can identify with with it. Or for those looking back, like like Jeremy was saying, that hey, you know, that was like my high school experience, and then blah 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 blah. So now, twenty years later, now it's almost you get into that high school reunion thing, where it's like I remember what they were like twenty years ago, but like what you know what has changed and where is their life now? And so, um, yeah, to kind of um, paint that picture, and that could even be like that was my thought too, is that that could even be a part of um, the struggle uh, for Cher is this idea that, like, she had her identity in high school, and now, you know, maybe it's not as as clear, you know? I don't know if it's because of her personality she would always be as, as doggedly, you know, determined. Mm-hmm. Or if we want it to be, like, that's the conflict. Because, yeah, the, I, and I, that, that was the one thing about yours, Adam, that the conflict for me got a little bit lost with all of the dating. So I was kind of, which I guess is, again, that's kind of what this clueless was all about is that it wasn't necessarily like a, a linear storyline. Right. 
Yeah, everybody was having their moment. But like the the way I kind of see it is is that uh, just piggybacking on what you were saying, Jeff, is that yeah, she had that personality, she had all this potential, and then when she married this guy, he took it away from her and just is kind of probably more domineering and kind of more in control of things and she doesn't have the ability to be who she is, but when maybe she connects with Josh again, it's kind of rekindled who she was and he reminds her of who she was, even though maybe he's got his fiance and he's having his wedding in a couple days, but she realizes that and there's going to be some spark when they meet again. So he's having doubts because of course his fiance is going to be terrible. That's the way it's got to be. And then, you know, from there, you know, <laughs> then, then we kind of build and we're okay. Now we're okay with it. Not only now is their ex step siblings, but now we're okay with breaking up uh, a marriage, you know, <laughs> an impending marriage because we love them so much. Isn't that always the way it works? Right. So, okay. So just in brief, oh. what we have, we've got, she's married. Mm-hmm. That's where we find her at the beginning of the movie. Right. Happily married. Like, so Lord Belvedere. Lord Belvedere. <laughs> so she really doesn't have to do anything. No, Lord She's living the Beverly Hills life. I, th- I think she, yes, but I still feel like she should have the share shares organization because that, it's like her that one That can be thing. something, yeah. Yeah, it's like she has one, that's her one way of still It's something her. she doesn't have to work yeah. for, but she's working on that. Exactly. Okay, so then he divorces her mm-hmm. for the younger woman. Right. Which makes her have these misadventures in dating, which I was just writing down acronyms here, and I was like, misadventures in dating. That makes her an old maid. Oh. Because, I mean, if we're going literally 20 years later, she was 17 then, probably, she's she's almost 40 and now back on the scene. So that could be one of her lingo terms that she introduces about being a maid in total maid mode. Are are we going to have her, like... Um, really (laughs) the, maybe, maybe we can work that acronym and title in the misadventures in dating. Mm -hmm. Um, what if she has a blog? That's, that's where I was going. That's her blog is misadventures in dating. So it's sex in the city in a way, but it's more, (laughs) it's more rom-com than, than sex in the city. If you want it to be, she could have a YouTube channel uh, instead of a blog. Yeah. She could <laughs> be a vlogger. <laughs> yeah. A video blogger. Um, yeah. So but then, she, so she goes on all the dates. Now, the question becomes here then, if we are going to have Josh be in there, are, are we still, are we all liking the idea of that there's the dating, but would we also throw in the road trip angle towards the end where they're going to stop Josh's wedding because she has to confess her love for him? Are we still... Going with something along so those okay, lines. let's break this down. I, I I think if you're gonna make it a road trip, make it a road trip movie. I don't think throwing it at the end. I I kind of like the watching her go on different dates and interspersed with seeing what Josh is going through and having this like they're just they're missing each other, they're missing each other until they finally connect. Okay. So how early would we introduce Josh? Well, I I think he probably comes in. Like right after, like she, because she probably has to move back in with her dad, you know, something like that, you know, like, so then Josh comes over to visit and okay. tell him about the wedding. And so now she's like excited to see him and then he hears about the wedding. So she's all bummed out, you know, she's like, he's, ha- he's so happy and she's down in the dumps. So like, 
mid act one or late act one like where's our turn um i i I think it happens yeah within within act one is when is when the The divorce divorce happens happens and then josh shows up so then in the middle is the dating because josh is in the back of her mind while she's dating. And that's right. kind of like the, the second so, act. So nobody compares to Josh. Right. Obviously. And Paul then, Rudd, nobody. Right. <laughs> and then, so this, the whole second act is she's dating, but fighting the desire to break up the marriage. Yeah. So like, and maybe that's it. So, the question would be, is his fiance terrible or is she actually seemingly nice so Cher doesn't want to cause because he seems so happy? Like, what, do we want to play it like there's some doubt in the relationship? I don't know. Jeff, there... Justin, what do you guys think? Yeah. How bad should mm. the fiance be? I should feel, we make I her should, the perfect think... woman? Go ahead, Jeff. Well, I was just going to say, again, for me, I, I guess I have to separate from the whole, I'm just going to, in my mind, pretend that, that they're they didn't meet each other before and they're not related somehow. But aside from that, (laughs) the whole, we hate the fiance angle might take a little while to build up for the audience to really hate them and to get enough. Like, yes, break up this wedding. Like that takes a little while. Not Um, necessarily. If, if her first interaction with her is without Josh and she's a total witch, to her because she's heard stories about her right as she's like well the stories ex. that's true so i mean this it would be share finding out the personality the true personality of this new girl that's being introduced and she totally hates share at this point well you know what i think would be it just to flip it that i think could be funny is what if the fiance is totally like love share and thinks she's great but she just treats josh terribly but Josh is still, you know what I'm saying? So hmm. Cher, Cher feels bad because she sees how she treats Josh. But she's like, but she's so great to me. We're such great friends. <laughs> like, and like, why is she, why is she flip that switch with Josh type thing? I don't know what you guys think about that, but that's what was going through my head. I was like, I mean, basically kind of takes the place of Amber in the original, like that Amber tries to get along with uh, share the whole time, mm-hmm. but she's just a horrible person. <laughs> and copying her. And yeah, everything she's doing is, yeah. Yeah. She's the poor man's share. I, I like that. <laughs> yeah. So, I, because that could be, you could see like the friends could be like, can't you see? He obviously was trying to replace you with this girl who's so much like you or whatever, you know, but she's, but she's not got the good heart that you have type thing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think that could be really interesting. Like I say, just as like a, a matter of like kind of something unexpected in, in how it's presented. So while she's having these conflicted thoughts, she's also going out on dates with a uh, weird dictator fetish dude. Yes. Adrenaline junkies. Yeah. Guys in cults. And I was going to say, yeah, go. she should go out on a date with uh, Breck and Meyer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, that's what I'm saying, like, because because by the end of the movie, you know, he's now he was a televangelist. The yeah, yeah, so that's, right. that's the next step. Yeah. Well, isn't isn't weed like legal in California? <laughs> but not at that time. Not well, at '95 when he was sobering. No, up. but at the same time, since it's come back around, <laughs> should that be what it is? Is like, oh my god, that would be great. Legitimate businessman, and he's no. His... I was gonna say he's like a total televangelist, but he just smokes a grip of weed. <laughs> Because it's legal. Yeah. It's not yeah. a sin if you're not breaking yeah. the law. It's for his his 
heart his, or mind his or eyes. whatever. Glaucoma. Eyes, that's what it is. <laughs> Glaucoma. And uh, then his uh, his channel or show could be called Holy Smokes. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that sad, yes. though? Aren't we betraying his arc for the first time? I feel bad. That he, it seemed like he was a good, like he kind of came out of himself to be more present. And then now we're setting well, it back Well, maybe away. he found Jesus in a smoke cloud. Maybe that was for him. I don't know. But I mean, I see it. Yeah, he was, you know, high one night. He He had that moment of clarity. And he found, he saw, he saw Jesus walking. Yeah. Well, I I could see it like he could still be a good guy. Yes. But but he he is just very high. Stoner, stoner. Yeah. Like he he was always a good guy even when he was a stoner. And the first one wasn't like it. He was evil or something. You know, he was just, that was his persona. (laughs) So, okay. I I could see that. So it's just like he just happens to be a little eccentric in his weed smoking. Yes. Holy smokes has to happen. (laughs) Better than scripture adverts. I'll agree. And, And I mean, even with that, like, it doesn't have to be a negative because, I mean, it's all politics. But at the same time, it happens. Like, and people revert to issues like that. That's why an alcoholic is. considered a recovering alcoholic even if they've not had any alcohol in 20 years sure like that's it's one of those things like they're constantly a recovering alcoholic i just think it'd be hilarious if like the tone of the film totally shifts when he gets to travis and i was like he's relapsed he's having a hard time keeping it together he's a crooked <laughs> televangelist this, like really depressing yeah. like, movie like oh dear okay so doing? turn into requiem for a dream yeah yeah. Perfect. <laughs> yeah like look what he does for that weed <laughs> <laughs> so one of her misadventures in dating, maybe she tries to like. Um, yeah, maybe she tries to like get into the stoner s- lifestyle. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> no I wasn't going. Go- no, no. I don't know. We are not on the same page. <laughs> maybe she tries to clean up her life and seek some divine guidance, and okay, she walks into a church and there's Travis <laughs> there's Travis <laughs> or maybe she's flipping sermon. through the channels and sees him and so she goes and she meets up with him kind of thing okay we get a little bit of the backstory on him now but... are we are we good with Dion and Murray kind of the way I described them where they're just married kids still bickering still just totally. a fairly yeah. successful Real marriage estate. they're the example for her right okay. yes we can do that all right and now, you know, obviously... Yeah, they, they should have five children. <laughs> or nine. Nine children. 20 years, yeah, nine kids. Yeah. And she's, Station Dash still looks great. Nine <laughs> children later. Yep. But what about... Um, do we want... This is just... The guy I feel the worst for the Clueless films is Murray's friend who had, like, zero character, was just there. Right. You don't even remember his name. Yeah, the guy who shaved his head. The guy that that shaved his head? Yeah. It's like, like he was on the series, I'm pretty sure. So, like, he... (laughs) Well, of course. They needed back characters to fill in that story for three seasons. Like, do we want to get... I just feel like it'd be funny if he was, like, in the movie... We were friends in high school. Like, like she meets him, like speeding or whatever it is. You know, like he's like, yeah, we went, we went. Oh, to she be, doesn't that'd remember. That'd be a funny him. way to go through all the like mini side characters. Is like a speed date scene. Yeah, uh, I just well, think it'd be interesting. The only other possible way to like reintroduce all of them would actually have to bring up and be like the 
20 year reunion at the high school. No, Bo. Bo. I mean, it's, it's, it's a trope that possibly like he goes on it. She goes on a date with a guy that ends up taking her to like accidentally takes her to a gay club and Christian's there. <laughs> Not this again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> About, about, but like you know it's those things like this is the date that she goes on runs of this so she ends up actually going on a random date with um uh uh what's his face the the bad guy not elton. the bad guy but yeah yeah elton but like what about what about the idea of because it's beverly hills and because it's california and their their class what if there's they're an on actual the beach? no what, what if there's yeah and they're all surfing and they're yeah, like they're what's surfing up? with blonde hair yeah right but no, but what if what if there was an actual dating service that caters to her graduating class because everybody's divorced and everybody oh needs to, so it's just like the joke <laughs> is that they have a dedicated dating service just for them. And it's run by Christian. Yeah, there you go. He saw yeah. the opening. He's like, You breeders and he's just yeah, whatever he calls it. I don't know. I think that'd be pretty funny. Okay, yeah. so we have all of the date misadventures in dating and then is she breaking up the wedding or what? Yeah, so that's that's the question. Is I, I feel like something has to happen where she doesn't tell him or you know, because what usually happens in those scenarios is like, you know, the one person tells the other person, like, look, it's oh it's too late. And then and then they, they're going on with the wedding, but then something gets revealed and they give you know, they say, Oh, you were right and I shouldn't have trusted my fiance and now I should be with you. But I, I feel like could we twist that what was a little it in yours, bit? Adam? Uh, you're saying how did it happen in mine? Yeah, the ending. Yeah. Oh, well, the the ending of mine was unrelated to a wedding. Justin's the one that had the wedding. In mine, it was the Armand guy is is back, and then they, you know, he they're dating, but then he betrays her and gets her in trouble with her boss and all that. So my mine, I don't think really relates. Yeah. Uh, other than to say, if that was the conflict. To say, like, if there if there was the conflict, why they weren't together all these years, to Josh and, and Cher, mm. then then something could come up again, you know, related to that. Like, this Armand guy, like, is her final date right. that actually works, and he's actually a nice guy now. And they kind of get together, and, um, and whatever happens there, you know, is in terms of, you know, now she's maybe... What was the ending in yours, from- Jeff? Cake uh, in the face the to the bad mom. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Bake off. Bake off and no men were mentioned, really. <laughs> so oh. Josh's fiance and Cher have a bake off. All right. There we go. Wedding cake bake off. Or just wedding just cake fight. Food fight at the wedding. Yeah. There's just a massive food fight and they throw cupcakes at each other. <laughs> I'm, I mean, a, I'm on awesome. board for this. Is there any mud involved? I'm just kidding. <laughs> you guys have put this on me. I just brought it up as an observation several episodes ago. I Chocolate pudding pool. I don't know how it became my thing, but there it is. Uh, no, but I, I guess like the, yeah, that's, that's the question is, do we just want to have the fiance show her true colors or is, you know, like, or is it just what would make Josh kind of wake up and say, Oh, she's treating me terribly. But I'm so, you know, I've just chosen to be into her. Like, I just wonder what could have that flip around. What if it's more like you guys had kind of said that she's going to be like a, an imitation of Cher. And like something happens that, she, that he realizes that, that that's the only reason that he's into her. So, so it's less of like she's terrible. It's more like he just realizes, oh, like I would be in for 
an imitation when I really want the real person. Yeah, and then that way maybe you could even make it so that Cher doesn't break up the wedding like he he does. Yeah. Paul Rudd's the one who calls it off because he realizes he's not actually in love with this girl. Um, yeah, and I think you can plant that throughout the movie so it's not like they're super happy and then at the end he's like, oh, yeah, well, I'll talk this imitation. Yeah. But uh, I think you see that throughout the movie where he's like, you see he's not super happy with her like they're not they're not really the best couple they're they're cool like they're a good couple but mm-hmm. it's not they're well, not it, definitely it could not meant be to the be. forgiveness thing is again the only reason he's not allowing share back into his life you know at this point is just because he's still bitter about the reason they broke up and he finally gets over it realizes where he's at in life and who he wants to be with and then there it is um yeah. so, so, so okay so are we needing to introduce another character or use one of the other characters to kind of have a heart to heart with Josh to bring him out? Like Murray. Well, th- what if he Murray. accidentally like calls her share at some point and then has like this realization? Ooh. I, I would. She gets mad. That could, be, that could be one of them. <laughs> That's good. Well, yeah. That, but you're saying like, does Josh need a confidant, somebody that he speaks to that, Yes, somebody that would be kind of in his circle that he would trust to say this. Cher couldn't because the the fiance is the imitation of her. Mm-hmm. So what if Chris? So uh, uh, oh. uh, Cher is friends and confidants with uh, Murray and Dion. Mm-hmm. But what if Josh is like now super good friends with Christian? Hey, why not? That could work. I, yeah, I mean, there like, was... Like, forget the whole... Uh, Although, wouldn't he have his own circle of friends? Because he didn't really hang out. What, like, what if, what if we, we combine two worlds and then we find out that this is really, like, one of Paul Rudd's other movies and so that we bring in all of his friends? Well, yeah. I, I want Michael Pena from Ant-Man to come oh, back because I loved him. They were a great pair. So That's <laughs> true. Well, and then, it's obviously, you have to have... Uh, <laughs> what's her name? The girl that's his wife in every movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Judd Apatow's wife. Yeah. Um, uh, no, Leslie Mann. Yeah, Leslie Mann. Wait, She's great. No, no, that's no. That's not no, who no, you're no. thinking no. of? No. The, the gal from Ant-Man that's his ex-wife. Evangeline Lilly? Oh, no, no, no. I know who you're talking no. about. She was the mom in Jurassic oh, World. She was the mom in Jurassic yeah, who World. Who is she? She was also... Uh, <laughs> Kitty from, uh, from uh, Arrested Development. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. There's that. And then I think they did a movie, This is 40, and there was some other rom-com type movie where they were they were together. Mm-hmm. So maybe she's the, the fiancé. Okay. Originally, the idea I had for the, the confidant would be that Josh introduces the fiance to the father or the stepfather, uh-huh. or however that yeah, works. Dan that dynamic. Yeah. And it's the first time that they've all met her. Mm-hmm. And so they spend some time around her that week leading up to it. Yeah. And it's the dad at some point pulls him aside. Yeah, like, that's hey, a good idea. That, that makes sense. She's yeah. all she is is an, a cheap imitation of Cher. Right. And he was always even in the first movie, he's like the voice of reason for right. all of them. So I mean it's it's the instant voice of reason we have. There's yeah. credibility to his word. Mm-hmm. Like he's seen them when yeah. they were together. He's seen them apart. So it's the unlikely character in a way that has the most meaningful impact on the story right there. Richard and obviously Grieco. he wants it to stay all in the family. So, right. Yeah. 
Well, that, that's what I'm saying. Da- Dan Hedaya is great. I think he could really, uh, I think that's great to bring him back. Because that's, yeah, I was wondering, you know, what we would do with him. By the way, I just want to throw this other fun fact out there, this connection, seven degrees of, of clueless or whatever. But <laughs> that it's just funny to me that, you know, Dan Hedaya is in this and then Lisa Donovan, who plays Amber. And then they were both in A Night at the Roxbury also. So I just think what you know, she she was she was one of the gold digging girls that thought Will Ferrell and Chris Kattan were club owners. Oh no! And the dad Hedaya obviously was their dad. Idiot, useless. Oh, I love him. He's so good. I mean, his best moment is Richard Grieco. See right through me. <laughs> heart to heart That's with true. Richard Grieco. That was the finest line. By the way, that actress's name is Judy Greer. So Judy, yes, Judy, Judy Greer, Greer for the for the fiance. Judy Greer. Well, I think we were thinking yeah. of two different. Ones right, so there's Judy, and then there's also Judd Apatow's wife. Yeah, Leslie which Mann. One? But but right, those are know. two different. People. I was thinking Judy Greer. Ah, okay. Okay, so I mean, but it sounds pretty good. I mean, it sounds like a fun fun movie to me. It's definitely a romantic comedy. We'll put it out what 2017 Valentine's Day. Oh, perfect. Because Deadpool won't be competing with it. Mm. <laughs> Although that that is being promoted as a romantic. Oh, film. I know. I love. <laughs> oh, I love. Except the in China, where it's currently banned. <laughs> Right, right. Wait, really? Yeah. Yeah, apparently Which there's some surprised. graphic nudity, probably Ryan Reynolds frontal all or kinds something. Of everything. Right, there's all a right. lot of things that are very anti-whatever Chinese uh, beliefs are at this point <laughs> in their monarchy yeah. dictatorship. Anyway. This has been Deadpool and Edit. politics. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Deadpool and dictators. Hey, so. maybe we'll get banned in China and get some publicity out of it. <laughs> Any publicity is good publicity. So, no, that's good, though. I, 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 I would look forward to seeing this film. I just like so much that we did flip it around, where before Cher was kind of in charge of what's going on, and now her life is out of control, and other people are kind of pushing her in a direction until she you know, makes her own decision. I like that a lot. Well uh, done. Yeah, So, but title-wise, um, when we're thinking about, I mean, Jeff... I you know I I, I mean, like still clueless. That sounds good. It seems like it would work pretty well. Uh, I know Jeremy, you had clueless the maid too. Thing. Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. <laughs> well, no, the Pride the maid thing. Clueless. Yeah, the maid thing wasn't even like for movie title. It was just blog title, okay. something that's in passing. But it's it's kind of a nod that we would give in, kind of like Holy Smokes. <laughs> just kind of coincidental that it it all works out. Um, but yeah, walking bread, (laughs) (laughs) patent pending on that. That's right. Anybody patent that yet? Still Uh, waiting. That, that was a movie. You can't use that. Uh, That was a sequel. Waiting and still waiting. (laughs) Yes. Uh, still clueless is, uh, is the winner on that. I like it. I like it. Now, poster-wise, that's always fun. Now, obviously, the most it's a very iconic poster. I mean, that's kind of the image you have in your head is the girls with the shopping bags and their super fashionable outfits. Yeah. So do we try to ape that but somehow flip it, or we just go a totally different style? Um, could we have it where everybody's kind of coupled off on the stairs, and then she's the, the lone person walking down the stairs? I think that could work. I, th- I, I think... Mm. Yeah, so like everybody else. I mean, but, but so you have everybody that was like a major player mm-hmm. that's paired off, and you put them on the stairs, and she's. The so not necessarily that in the movie they're involved, but they're all together. You know, boy, girl, boy, girl. So you right. could have Travis and Amber. You know, and then you could yeah. have you know whatever Dion and and Murray, and then who would the other people be on the poster? Maybe Josh and the fiance. Okay, good point. Yeah. 
And then Dan, Hidea, and Christian. <laughs> that would that would be an interesting turn of events that we <laughs> right. were not expecting. Right. No wonder he's okay with in the family. <laughs> no, but um I guess like the idea too is that so what's Cher gonna be doing? Is she like is she like on a phone, like on a smartphone now? Eating, or um, Tinder. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, but like but like what 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 would expresses what she's going through then with everybody else around her? Is there going to be some sort of like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of something that would express dating. It's like a tennis racket and, or still single. Yeah. Recently single. <laughs> like, yeah. What one, one hand is divorce documents and the other hand is her itinerary of dates on her phone. But like, that's giving too hard to show. <laughs> and kind of obvious. Um, I mean, she could have in her arm a, a file folder that just says divorce across it. Mm-hmm. I mean, just really leave it at that because you're already showing everybody's paired off, everybody's coupley, everybody's lovey-dovey yeah. on the stairs paired off, and she's not. She's got the divorce papers. Yeah. What do you guys think about that, Jeff? I don't know about the divorce. That seems a little, I don't know. Divorce papers seem a little too real. Heavy. Heavy. <laughs> Heavy. A little too heavy for I don't, clueless. Yeah, I don't I don't know how else you do that though. But that's what I'm saying. I'm using her to be what alone. If, what if she's looking disheveled? Like for her, so that would be a pretty big deal. She's okay. gone down to like the sweatpants and not quite and that hoodies. disheveled. Just like her. <laughs> let's not get crazy here. But like her hair is askew. She's in a hoodie here. <laughs> like she's adjusting her maybe she's adjusting her makeup or something like that or like she's disheveled and trying to make herself undisheveled. Like she's got split ends, you know. <laughs> yeah, or she's How you know terrible. the cuticles or whatever cuticles. She's do. hideous with those split ends. <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's got uh, cargo pants on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I'm honestly, I'm just, I'm just trying to imagine how you make Alicia Silverstone look disheveled, like that that conveys that she's going through some trauma. It's I mean, possible. Like, didn't you see Batman like and Robin? <laughs> well, or your your stalker movie. You That's were talking true. About. Right. She was just creepy in that one. Um, no, but I I would say just like I I would love to see mascara running. I think that would look great. So you see that she's been crying. She's dealing with her emotional stuff. But I still want something. So like, is she running down the stairs. <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah. Well, maybe that's. Oh, you know what? You know what it could be. That's not. It's not directly tied to it, but it just kind of says something's askew in her world. Is what if just one leg's up and she's got a broken heel, but you then you also she's just kind of disheveled. Nice. So it's just like Done. her world is in turmoil. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yep. And maybe her like her purse has ripped at yeah, the same time. Exactly. Something like that. And she's got a bullet hole in her arm. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, and uh. she's got a peg leg. <laughs> <laughs> uh. And addicted to weed. All at the same time. <laughs> She's got a horrible drug problem. That's right. Just she just got the needle just hanging out of her arm. It's just just go all the way if you're gonna do it. Um, no, but um, so but now, and and then you'd have to have the stoner preacher down at the bottom. Exactly. Okay. Like, yeah. With his cloud. <laughs> When that talk- could be the coupling, though. You have the two of them, him like holding a you know bag of marijuana or something. <laughs> like that. He's couple. dancing with a bong. <laughs> yeah, but um, so when we when we always you know we like to get into the soundtrack. Obviously, the soundtrack was a, a big part of Clueless. I mean, you yeah. know, you know, kids in a, you know kids in America. You got the uh, 
I be I want to be a supermodel song. For me personally, there's a, a track that's actually the closing credits song, which is I Need You Around by the Smoking Popes. They're they're a kind of a pop punk band hey. out of Chicago. Of course. He had to bring that up. They're just I mean, they're my top Your three guys. bands of all time. And I didn't even wow. know at the time. Like I, I discovered them a few years later when they were about to break up. And <laughs> and then later on I looked at a clueless soundtrack one of my friends had. I was like, Oh, Smoky Popes were on here. Of course it was a great film. Right. But but I just wonder, like, you know, I, I think that's what it would just have to be, though, in today's, like, because it got to be two things. It could be a 90s throwback, but I don't think we need to go there. It's a contemporary film. Well, at the same time, I think we can probably mix mix in contemporary with a few throwbacks mm-hmm. that kind of yeah, highlight that's what they'd be specific. To. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they are well, 90s children, thinking, so... I've... I think it would be throwback because my guess is that their fashion, like, I don't think they're going to be, they're not going to be necessarily like as 90s as they were, but my guess is that they're going to still, you know, again, I, I don't think they're going like hipster and all that sort of stuff like that, right? Yeah. Somebody's still rocking the Rachel, is what you're saying? Oh no, <laughs> not quite to that extreme. Definitely. But I mean, like, if you look at, you know, the the you, like, you look at the poster. Elton. And they still look, if they wore those clothes today, you would still be like, all right, they still look like they have way too much money for their own good. Well, at the same time. They belong in Beverly Hills. At the same time, we're reaching the point to where all those 90s styles are coming back into style. There you go. Perfect. So they're just calling themselves ahead of the curve? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> totally. But no, no. So, But yeah, I, I think what would actually be cool is just getting a bunch of 90s artists to contribute new songs so you're getting the 90s oh, okay. feel from who's on it so you get like that's cool i think you get like you know so mix and mash some mighty, of their mighty old boss stuff tones. yeah mighty, mighty, mighty yeah boss you gotta tones. have some sky in there try to make a comeback with <laughs> some, yeah you get bush i, I feel like you because for her depressing bush. down and out song she gotta have a bush song you know with gavin cool. yeah. none of us cool. were that depressed Adam. <laughs> Gwen Stefani, get her in there. She always That's has so something fun. fun to bring to right. the table. She should well, play she the was wedding. still No Doubt back then, wasn't she? Yeah, she back then yeah. there were No Doubt. Yeah, so I guess you could just get No Doubt on there. And uh, I'm trying to think of anybody else that really needs to be a part of that. You know, well, you got your boy bands. Oh, uh, really? You think it, they weren't we, really boy bandy though? That could be the big selling point. That is an in-sync reunion. Justin Timberlake finally Uh-oh. gets back together. With they the already did the that at an award show. They, oh, did they? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm out of it. Go that role. <laughs> well, because so the soundtrack that I'm seeing, they have the Muffs, Cracker, Counting Crows, Luscious Jackson, World Party, Radiohead, Lightning Seeds, The Smoking Popes, Beastie Boys. Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, Coolio, Supergrass, Velocity Girl, and Jill Sabuli. Okay, I only recognize six of those names. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, the truth and one is... of them is definitely Jill Sabuli. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we do need to have some sort of like either hip hop or like, you know, like like there, there's got to be a little mix in there too because really, and maybe we don't break it down because we haven't figured out every single dating sequence, but like, it's dictated, you know, there's going to be a song that fits, you know, the dictator guy. Yeah. There's going to be a, a song that fits <laughs> the, you know what I'm saying? Like Definitely hip hop. <laughs> that's definitely going to be the hip hop. Absolutely. The, the dictator will be the U.S. presidents and we're going to do peaches. Presidents of the United States of America, bringing it back. <laughs> all right. I also own all of their albums. They're excellent. All, um, all one? 
no, they they have oh, okay. quite a few. They're they're pretty cool. But anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I, but I think that works. I, I love the '90s throwback artists, but with in many cases new material, not necessarily bringing back like their made old for movie stuff. Right? They they came up with new tracks that they're putting in because it was such a definitive '90s film, and now we're getting the '90s stars back in. And know? then we can have like the ultimate '90s mashup with all their hits throughout the credits. Yeah, that'd be fun. There are definitely like three soundtracks. Yeah. Here. Like, right, right. <laughs> three disc <laughs> three volume soundtrack all right no the credits will just be a, like a 10 minute long dj mashup of all their songs mm-hmm. and be and then scenes that. at the very very end of clueless three right we have to tease clueless, <laughs> yeah. three. clueless three because by then her kids did she have kids in this version? Well, I don't think we ever we we didn't oh, ever discuss. Do they have it. four heads because they came out of incest. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, she was with uh, no, Belvedere in the beginning. Yeah. With four heads. So yeah. did they have? Does she have a child with Belvedere? I I don't know. I feel like that could be part of the problem. Is that she never wanted to have a kid with him, and then she does realize that she would want to have a child with Josh, maybe, and that could be mm-hmm. part of. You know, she always didn't want to do something. I don't know. Something along those lines. So she's hitting that point now where she finally yeah. gets with Josh. And <laughs> Clock is ticking. Yeah. but um, That's what three is all about. <laughs> right. The baby of 40. Parents. Put, yeah. put a baby in me. <laughs> Look out. <laughs> all right. So, I, yeah, but I don't know. I'm, I think I'm excited how this is shaping up. We got a fun, fun I mean, film to look forward to. We, we don't really have any casting. We'll just bring back the, the cast at minus Britney. But yeah, and the fiance uh, is Judy gotta, Greer. Plays Samuel Belvedere the third. Oh. Should it be Mr. Belvedere from the TV show? <laughs> Building. not around Belding. anymore. Yeah. Building. De- Dennis oh, no. Haskins in. <laughs> yeah. I do feel like a one casting though. When you said it, the the guy that's obsessed with uh, uh, dictators. Uh, dictators yeah. I was Sasha Baron Cohen all the way. <laughs> yes. Okay. Oh, and okay. So Belvedere. <laughs> Belvedere. Back to Belvedere. Yes, Belvedere. Liam um, Neeson. No, her whole thing, <laughs> and there was there was the the term called the Baldwin. Oh. Maybe she gets Alec Baldwin. That's awesome. That's Mr. Belvedere. Oh, there you yeah. go. That'd be a good inside yeah. joke for the it fans. It would be. Okay. That works. What do you guys think? Is it Alec or is it Billy or is Steven. it Steven? <laughs> oh, Which no, you Baldwin? Gotta go with Alec. Yeah, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta, okay. you gotta go with Alec because Alec he would run off for a eighteen year old. Yeah. He's yeah. he's a good villain. He could give us a villain, definitely. Okay. Are we talking directors? I think you would just try to bring back Amy Herkerling if you could. JJ Abrams. Yeah. <laughs> Just lens flares blinding everybody. Gigantic diamond ring lens flares. I'm trying to think of who's like kind of a popular comedic director that's not, you know, Judd Apatow at this point. Well, I mean, obviously, if you're bringing Paul Rudd back, he'll end up writing some. Probably, yeah. I mean, he's going to contribute, but I'm just saying like... Amy Schumer should direct it. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) She would try to cameo in her own movie. (laughs) (laughs) She's Cher. (laughs) Well, if... If she were writing it, she probably would do that. But uh, I would see her probably in the speed dating and not looking for men. 
I'm trying to think ah. of somebody. Wow. Okay. But I'm trying to imagine somebody. Who, I'm trying to think of like an actor who would turn director, who would then, What's you know, movie? be helming the film. Maybe if, you know what mm. I'm saying? Like somebody who's like got a perspective that's different, but not defined. Because for me, Clueless is, it's, it's kind of its own. What about animal. Michael Sarah? Who? Oh, Michael Sarah. Oh, Michael Sarah. No. This is his turn. What, what if we bring in Reese Witherspoon to do this? It'd be interesting. Like, kind of rub it in her face that she never got the role in the first place. <laughs> right, right. Well, this is her chance. Like, she can formulate it how she would see it in the future kind of thing. Yeah, we're still not going to oh. let you be Cher, but do you want to direct it? <laughs> you know, you know why, not, yeah. why not Drew Barrymore? She directs now. Oh, we get Drew true. Barrymore in there. That would be interesting. That, that would kinda have cool. some 90s flair. Yeah, absolutely. She did... Uh, Sam Raimi. <laughs> Sam Raimi would give us some excellent moments yes, of dating. That he would. <laughs> uh, but are we good with? Are we good? With, is it between Drew and somebody else, or we just want to? Give uh, it to let's her? give it to Drew. All right, let's give it to Drew. Let's see what she does. She's wanted it for so long. <laughs> All right, thank you for playing along with us this week as we delve into the retro and bring it to a contemporary final phase, potentially. Follow us on Facebook, just search Sequel Quest, one word, on Twitter at SQPod, on the website, sequelquestpod.com, stock us on SoundCloud, and also check us out on iTunes and subscribe. Make sure to subscribe and also drop us a rating. Any five-star ratings we get, we'll read them. We want to give the love back to those that are listening, so help us out. We'll help you out. And until next week, I'm Outie. I'm totally bugging. I'm rolling with the homies. Whatever. We thank you for joining us for this episode of Sequel Quest P.O.D. We hope you'll return next time when we discuss another film that never was. For more made-up movie fun, visit SequelQuestPod.com to see the schedule of films to be discussed in upcoming episodes, fan art submissions, and more. Follow us on Twitter at SQPod and share your ideas on our Facebook page. The films and characters discussed on Sequel Quest POD are the property of their respective studios and license holders. No copyright infringement is intended. Whatever. And Adam, I'm totally bugging. <laughs> there we go. Oh, I wanted a, tri- a trifecta. No, <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it. And Adam, I'm totally bugging. No, what was I supposed to say? <laughs> whatever. I'm doing whatever thing. Whatever. Diane. Dion. <laughs> whatever. Look who's talking now. Four. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just reboot. Look who's talking with the Clueless universe. It's right. great. <laughs> Mashups, baby. Who's doing the voice of the baby? Is it Clueless three? Oh boy. <laughs>